0: comes this morning to read our scripture for us.
1: This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is the word of the Lord from 1 John three ten through 18.
0: Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. One of the things that I enjoy doing most with my oldest son, and hopefully my second oldest son is going to join us this summer, we like to go on long hikes to really tall peaks. And a few years ago, we climbed the highest point Colorado Mount Elbert and it's not a, a significantly challenging hike compared to others but anytime you get 14,000 feet in elevation you definitely have a challenge ahead and so we hiked this mountain together a few years ago uh, this was like my first year here at South Tulsa and in that picture both my son and I were much younger men in those days Uh, Some of these gray hairs have some of your names on them that I have now since that picture. No, I'm just kidding. They're all all named after my kids, probably. But that was a long time ago, although it really doesn't seem like that long ago. And uh, one of our favorite moments was, was hiking Mount Elbert together. It's also one of our most memorable experiences when we came down. We were almost to the bottom. We knew we were getting close to base camp where we had parked, where the trailhead begins. But we came to a crossroads on the path down and my brother was also with us and all three of us came to this spot And we couldn't remember which way we were supposed to go We couldn't remember whether we were supposed to go straight or or turn right and this was again a few years ago before The the apps that are available now that map out these trails were available to us and and we were stuck and and one of us said I think we're supposed to go straight and one of us said I think we're supposed to turn right And the other one said I have no idea which one of you is correct And so we stood there for a minute and and it was getting late into the evening There was a storm that was brewing that was going to be coming on top of us And if you've ever done a hike like this if you don't end up going back to the trailhead where your car is You might be a long ways away and end up in in big trouble Thankfully as we stood there deliberating and not knowing which way to go another hiker came along and said you guys need to turn right now I won't tell you which one of us was correct but you guys need to turn right that's the way back to the trailhead and we were so thankful that as we looked at those two paths ahead of us someone came along to help us know the right direction in the 1050 service and I can tell by looking out that the, the families with our many graduates are going to be in the next service not in this service today In the 1050 service i'll be looking at a group of graduates probably sitting right over here My son is going to be one of them I'm holding myself and my composure much better right now than I probably will later this morning. Just be aware of that But i'll be looking at them and saying I'm so thankful throughout my life for the many people who have come along and have helped me in moments where there were a couple of paths ahead to point me in the right direction and show me which way to go. And I will say this to the graduates as well. Most of those people who have had that impact in my life have been in the church. And most of those people have been people that God has brought across my path to come alongside me, And at times when I needed someone to help shepherd me in the right direction, they did that. And I will also say to those graduates, you're going to be tempted like many who have gone before you to enter this next phase of life and of adulthood and to leave the church behind, to not make the church a priority, to to sleep in on Sundays, to move to a new place or wherever you're headed, to not keep yourself plugged into a community to body of believers like the one you've been in here and I'm going to plead with them to not make that decision but to stay connected to the church to know that there are people ahead who the Lord is going to lead just like they've already had in their lives to come alongside of them in the body of Christ and to help at those times when they find crossroads ahead and boy they will face some crossroads ahead to help shepherd them and lead them and to say to them you are not in this thing by yourself because we are a family and in the family of God in the church the body of Christ we look out for each other and I have so enjoyed already these first few weeks in our series this thing we call church sort of a different series than we normally do usually we we go verse by verse through an entire book of the bible or section of the bible and Instead, I felt led just for a few weeks here to jump around to some different texts, starting in Acts, then going to some of the epistles that were written by the apostles, talking about what it means for us to be the church. We started in the book of Acts. We saw in Acts 2 and 4 how the church prioritized the teaching of Scripture, the breaking of bread, and the Lord's Supper in their services. Their fellowship their relationships with each other and fervent seasons of prayer we saw how they prioritized unity how they put each other first how they they gave sacrificially and generously to make sure that nobody in the family was going without and we saw how effective that first church in acts was that scripture tells us every single day the lord was adding to their number those who were being saved Last week, we went to our first letter, our first epistle. We went to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we heard from the Apostle Paul, writing under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, that the church is the body of Christ himself. And the body of Christ is one. And only Christ is the head in the body. Because of that, there are no second-class citizens, but instead, the body of Christ is wonderfully diverse in its makeup, in its arrangement, in its design, and in its gifts. Paul said to the Corinthians, as it is, there are many parts, but there is only one body, and we, brothers and sisters, we, the church, we are the body of Christ. Today we turn to the Apostle John. I love the letter of 1 John. 1 John is actually the first letter that I ever translated in Greek when I was in in college, my first few years of studying New Testament Greek. This is the first letter that we translated. That's true for many Greek students. And you find that 1 John is actually one of the easier letters to translate because it is so consistent. John keeps coming back to the same themes over and over as he is writing to the church. You remember Paul writing to Corinth was addressing division He said, some of you all are splitting up into factions and groups over ideas, over your preferred teachers. Some of you are saying, well, we prefer Paul. No, we prefer Peter. No, we prefer Apollos. And Paul says, remember that only Christ was crucified for you. He's the only one who is the head of the church. He's the only one who truly, you ought to say, I am a disciple of of jesus christ john seems to be dealing with division on an even deeper level than ideas because he continually comes back to this idea of not hating each other can you imagine that not just disagreeing not just having some differences or some divisions john is writing to the church and saying you all have to stop hating each other And these consistent themes that come up throughout the letter are love, and life, and light, and the name of Christ himself. And John gives us this foundational reminder that when the church strays, not only into division, but even when there is hatred present inside the body among the ranks of believers the only way back is repentance, returning to obedience, and pulling away from the darkness right back into the middle of the light where there is only love and where true life exists in the body of Christ. And so today from this text, which is a beautiful passage of Scripture in 1 John chapter 3, I want to give us three practical ways for the church to live in the world for the church to not just understand who she is and her identity in Christ but to live that out in the midst of a world that just like John's world is also filled with a lot of darkness a lot of division and a lot of hate so here's where we begin Actually, the bulk of the verses in the text we read, the church as Christ's body, how should we live in the world? We should be known first and most by our love for each other. Well, that leads, I think, to a fair question. Is this how the church is best known in our culture? Is this how Christians are best known? Are we best known for our love for each other Or if we were to ask the average person who crosses our path in the midst of our daily lives, what do you think of when you think of the church? Would they say a lot of other things? Would they even list out things and our love for each other would not be included? Verse 10 and 11 are are connected. Most of your Bibles probably start this section with verse 11, but actually there's a little Greek word in there connecting the two because this theme of there being two paths two different ways that a person can go down is really a consistent part of of what we've read this is how we know john says who the children of god are and who the children of the devil are who wants to be known as that the children of the devil anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. And then he shifts to verse 11, and he says, look, I know there are some false teachers in your midst. Another thing John addresses throughout this letter, you guys have got to stop listening to those people who are giving you information, sending you messages, and inundating you with things that are completely contrary to the message that Christ gave us, the message you've heard from the beginning. And here is the message that you heard from the very beginning with regard to who we are supposed to be in our relationships with each other and how we are best to be known in the world. We should love one another. That's the message you've heard from the beginning. And yet, going back to the beginning of the beginning, back to the very first human beings who ever lived on the earth, The story of the first family told in Scripture, Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain and Abel, and the two paths were seen in Cain and Abel there in the very first instance of hatred from one brother to another. The path of the children of God, those who belong to Christ and are pursuing righteousness, is the path of love. But the path of the children of the devil those who do not pursue righteousness, those who do not care about truth, those who do not love their brother and sister, the path of hate is the path of the devil. And many people in our culture are on that path. And many people even who find their way inside the church are on that path. The path of hate is not the path of love it is not the path of Christ, it is not the path of righteousness, and it is not the path of truth. And if anyone who is professing and spewing and vomiting out that hatred all over us claims to be speaking for God, listen, they are not. Because the path of hate is the path of the devil. It is not that which comes from the Lord. And so these false teachers Who John was countering had been boasting of a new teaching. John says, Listen, I'm going to remind you of the clear message you heard from the beginning that we should love one another. And remember, brothers and sisters, that that message came to us from Christ Himself. As part of the message today, we're going to look at several different scriptures that are quotes from Jesus. And interestingly enough, every single one of them come from John's gospel. So John writes this letter in a way that is consistent with what he shared in his gospel, telling of the teaching and the ministry of Jesus Christ. And here are a couple of those examples of why John says this is the message we heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. John 15, Jesus says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus said, A new command I give you love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The church is Christ's body. Should be known first and most by our love for each other. But unfortunately, in many cases, that's not how we're known. In fact, John gives an example here that's instructive for the church. Don't be known like Cain, don't be like that brother from the first family who belonged to the evil one and he murdered his brother. And why? Why did he murder his brother? Because there's two paths. There's the path of righteousness and there's the path of disobedience. There's the path of love and there's the path of hate. There's the path of God and there's the path of the devil. And Cain murdered his brother because his actions were not righteous, but his brothers were. And I love this quote from the ancient Christian Bede the Venerable. He said, Love is the great divide between the children of God and the children of the devil. Those who have love are the children of God and those who do not are the children of the devil. Have anything else you like, but if you lack this one thing, then all the rest is of no use to you whatsoever. On the other hand, you may lack almost anything else, but if you have this one thing, love, you have fulfilled the law. There are two paths. Hatred is the path of the devil. It's the path that the world often takes. And Cain is the example. But love is the path of God. Love is supposed to be the path that is exemplified by the church. Love originates in God himself, who loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that we might have life. Love comes from self-sacrifice. It is the evidence that we have received eternal life, that we know the love and salvation of God because that love is evident in us. Do not be like Cain. Do not go down the path of hate. And yet John says further, though many people are on that path. Many people in John's day, just like in our day, they are on the path of hate. So we should not be surprised, brothers and sisters, he says, when the world hates us. Now he's not espousing here some sort of victim mentality. Oh, the world, everybody's against us. The poor, persecuted church, everybody's against us. We're always the victims. Nobody nobody cares about what we have to say. That's not the language John is using. John is using actually again here the language of Christ. From John 15 again, this is my command. Look at this consistency. Love each other. But if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. But as it is, you do not belong to the world. I have chosen you out of the world. So this is why the world hates you they persecuted me they will persecute you also if they obeyed my teaching they will obey yours also they will treat you this way because of my name for they do not know the one who sent me the purpose of this language from jesus and as john recaptures it is not for us to play the role of victim but for us to be realistic and have an awareness That when we are on the path of God, when we are on the path of love, it will at times come into conflict with the path of hate and the path of the devil. And sometimes when we are at odds with the world, the world will hate us. But look what John says, just as Jesus said, even though the world hates us, we don't act like them. Which means we don't hate them back. We don't hate each other, but we also don't hate the world back. As we look at some other scriptures in the next couple of weeks in this series from James and from Peter, we'll see that consistency. We honor them even when they don't honor us. I challenge you to go to your New Testament. Find me one example where any of the apostles or where, apostles or where Jesus himself said, we go to war with the culture. We become the aggressor. We return hate with hate. We return anger with anger. We initiate the violence. We strike them before they strike us. Find me one example where that is the case. You won't find it. All you'll find is the opposite. We know, John says, we have passed from death to life, the, the evidence that we've received the life that Christ gives and that we are on the path of God and not the path of the devil is that we love and that we are known first and most for loving each other. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Hate and murder flow in the same stream together. You may not have actually killed anyone physically, but when you hate someone in your heart, that is the same stream of murder. It's the same thread of consciousness. It's the same condition of the heart. And for the one who has crossed over from death into life, love is what defines and describes us. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said in John 5, whoever hears my word and believes in him who has sent me has eternal life and will not be judged. Why? Because that person has crossed over from death into life. And John says we know the evidence that we've experienced that salvation, that we indeed have crossed over from death into life is because we love our brothers and sisters. Those who have been born again of God will grow in their love for each other. It will grow, it will increase. They won't be able to help it. We won't be able to help it. The deeper we grow in God, the the wider we will grow in love. But those who have nothing but hatred and love, can they truly say that they've actually been born again? How are we best known? This is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Is this how the church is described and defined by most people who are on the outside looking in on us? And not because they've misunderstood us. But I ask the question because is this true? Are we being faithful to present first and most our love for each other for the world to see? Well, what does John mean by love? Well, he explains it further in verse 16. Following Christ's example, love means we should lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Does this best describe the church that we are willing to die to ourselves and put the needs of each other above our own? This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Just as Jesus said, there's no greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Christ did this for us. This is how we can be sure he loves us, that he indeed laid down his life for us. And the self-sacrifice of Christ is not only... The clearest demonstration of love that the world has ever known but listen it's the example he has set for us that we are to follow we also lay down our lives for others unity and the well-being of this family of christ's family of of the body of christ is so important to us that unity is so important and the well-being of our brothers and sisters is so important that we will lay down our lives for them if that's what it takes. I want to say a thank you to you all as my church family for the kind words that many of you have shared in the last couple of weeks. I don't know why I was feeling so vulnerable the first two weeks of this series, but I shared that with you. You know, I'm struggling that my oldest child's about to go off to college, and so many of you sent me really kind words and even gave me some some constructive tips on how to deal with that when we drop him off here in a few months and then last week I shared about how you know it hurts for a pastor in a church when when folks leave and they don't say anything and 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 many of you sent me all these kind words and thoughts about that and you took time out of your week to encourage me and I appreciate that today there is not going to be any self-loathing okay and no self-pity as a part of the message but do know that your kind words they meant a lot and it means a lot to me to know that I'm loved that my family's loved by our church family it means something when we take time even in small ways to set ourselves aside and to show someone else that we think of them and we care for them it means something to our brothers and sisters even in those small ways when we lay ourselves down for them we live in times when the word love is used in a lot of different and very inconsistent ways but aren't you thankful for the scripture and God's consistency in defining love for us in telling us look if you are looking for the biblical picture of love this is what it is This is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And as we follow his example, we should lay down our lives for each other. But look at a couple of other things that John says just there in the same letter in 1 John. Again, he says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And then in chapter 4, this is how God showed his love among us he sent his one and only son into the world that we might have life. That we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God first, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He laid down his life for us. Dear friends, since God has so loved us, we ought to love one another. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And hear me as we move to the final part of the text. If our love is true and if our love is complete, And if we are truly following Christ's example to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters, it will be seen in action. It will be evident not just in what we say, but in what we do. In the church, loving truly means living truly. And living truly means loving truly. John concludes this section of the letter, this text we read, with a very practical question. If anyone has, he says, material possessions, the the literal word here means the things needed for life, basic necessities. If anyone has the basic necessities of life, But upon seeing a brother and sister in need has no pity in them. The word here is splachna. It's a fun word to say in Greek, splachna. It means your guts. If a brother or sister has basic necessities, sees a brother or sister in need, but in the deepest place from which we feel, the deepest place from which we live, our splachna, our guts, we feel nothing. We feel no compassion. We feel no pity. We are dead inside towards the needs that we see in front of our eyes. If anyone sees a brother or sister like that, but feels nothing, how can the love of God be in that person? What a practical question. Dear children, he says, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth loving truly means living truly and living truly means loving truly and i saw an unbelievable example of this recently that 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 for me was so convicting as a pastor and and i i think ought to be for us as a church i talk about often how some of the most amazing growth we're seeing in the church right now is not happening in churches like ours, though God's blessing our church tremendously, but some of the most exponential growth in the church right now around the world is happening among global Christians who weren't born in the West, who, who weren't a part of, of church movements in Europe and, and America, but instead somehow, some way in centuries past, missionaries reached these folks and they took the gospel seriously and they are growing with leaps and bounds, And we also have talked many times about how some of the nations, global Christians from around the world, have been brought to us here in Tulsa. And if you've been in Tulsa for any amount of time, you know by now we have a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ from Myanmar, from Burma, who are here. If you go into Bixby, go towards the high school, you'll see a humongous new church that's just been built. Some of you might have noticed that in Bixby, and you thought, I wonder what that church is. It's a Burmese church. It's a church that started with immigrant Christians here in Tulsa a few years ago, very small, and it has grown. It's been incredibly effective. They've had lots of children, and this church has been significantly successful in its growth, in its reaching its community, and in and, and its generosity. They were meeting in on memorial in a building, and decided it was time to move to a place where they could build a bigger building, have more land, and reach out into a community that looks different than them. So they moved close to to Bixby High School in downtown Bixby. But here's the most amazing thing. They were in their old building a few weeks ago as their new building was being completed, and as the pastor was preaching, Pastor Mung, he felt uh, uh, the Holy Spirit speaking to him right then and there about something he had not considered He stopped in the middle of his sermon, asked the church to join him in prayer, and he came back after that time of prayer, and he said, brothers and sisters, we have another Burmese church down the road that is struggling to get by. They are limping along. Two years ago, we paid off our debt here in this church, and now God's blessing us with a new campus and a new building. I feel like the Lord is leading us to gift our current church to the struggling church. Everything. Not just the building with the note paid off, but we're going to leave all the furniture, we're going to leave all the instruments, every single thing in this building, when they come in, it is move-in ready, and our brothers and sisters in that church that are struggling will will find the help they need from us. Is that not unbelievable? They could have sold that property, applied that money to this new venture, But instead, here's the letter that they sent to their sister church. Through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, on November 7th, 2021, the Full Gospel Assembly International Ministries and its congregation agreed to give our church building located at 7401 South Memorial Drive, Tulsa, Oklahoma, USA, as a gift. With love and with faith in God, on March 6th, 2022, We present our church building we are currently using, its facilities, including the parsonage and everything inside to our family in Christ full life church at no cost and with no stipulations. In God's love, Reverend Dr. Dom Swan Moong, Senior Pastor. Unbelievable. Loving truly means more than just simply saying the right words or giving the appearance of being righteous. Loving truly means living truly. Walking the path of love and life, not the path of hate and death. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this generation moving into adulthood needs us they need the church and they need us to be who Christ has called us to be who we want others to think we are but in many cases we are not brothers and sisters in Christ or as the Lord calls us dear children let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth I want you to bow your heads with me And I want you to consider one more passage from John's gospel that talks about the idea of love. And we've mentioned it already this morning. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but will have everlasting life. The love of that Christ commands us to have as the church is the love that God modeled for us from the beginning. It originates in Him. He loves us so much that He sent His only Son, His own Son, to be the sacrifice for our sins. Today, if you, watching online or here in person, are not connected to the body of Christ, you're not a part of this family. The simple call to you today is to come to Jesus Christ to look to the cross and to know that God loved you so much that he sent his son for that purpose that you might have life. God loved us so much even when we didn't love him that he gave us a way to cross over from death into life. Today if you feel like your life is wrapped up in death and darkness, would you come to Christ to love to life and to the light of the gospel. Jesus, we give you this time. We pray that you would lead us and that you would speak to every heart. And Lord, that as we sing about you one more time, our cornerstone, Lord, that you would draw us to you, each heart, each person, in Jesus' name, amen.